All right, let's get going on Duke. Um, obviously, uh, you saw the depth chart, very few changes on the depth chart. Um, before I get going, talking about their football team, I'd, like, I'd be remiss if I didn't spend a couple minutes talking about their athletic director. Now, Kevin White, their AD, who's also a vice president there, um, hired me at Notre Dame, probably one of the finest men that I've ever met in my entire life. Um, he taught me a lot about college football. You know, he taught me patience. You know, when I went in, when I went into Notre Dame, we talked about, you know, taking a five-year cycle to really get us back to where we wanted to be. And it's uh, it's funny when I sit there and look at the uh, look at what's happened with Coach Cutcliffe at Duke. It's almost it almost mirrors the conversation that I had had when I went into Notre Dame. You know, Coach Cut's been there for now seven years. His first year they went five, second year they went four, third year they went three, fourth year they went three. Finally, in the fifth year, they go six and six and get to a bowl game, and we're losing a bowl game. But, you know, finally, at the end of five years, it's kind of gotten them back on the map, and they're year six. There they go, 10 and two, regular season. So, 10 and two, last year, great year, you know. Have two tough opponents at the end, you know, Florida State in the in play, conference playoffs, and then Texas A&M in a bowl game. But um, you could see how you know Kevin showed patience and Coach Cutcliffe showed patience, and he took that program and, and definitely have it headed in, in the right direction. Now they're two and zero this year. Uh, you know they're averaging 43 points a game. You know they do a great job on offense. They have over 500 yards a game. They had you know, 228 yards rushing, 281 yards passing. Uh, an interesting stat to show you that they self-scout. They've, uh, they've run the ball 85 times, and they've thrown the ball 84 times. You know, so they're obviously trying to get a, a, a good blend. You know, Boone, their quarterback, he's been in the system now for four years. To show you the progress he's made last year, I think he had 13 touchdown passes and 13 interceptions. You know, this year after two games, he has five touchdown passes and no interceptions. Now you see where they're heading. I mean, their wide receivers are loaded. Um, I would have liked to have been the high school coach four or five years ago at, at Monroe High School. You know, uh, that, I would, uh, that job must have been an easy job. Because Crowder, who might be as good a receiver as we play all year, <clears throat> and Blakeney were teammates. You know, I, mean, I think the guy who got it best was their high school basketball coach. They won because they won a state championship game with both them both being on the same basketball team. Um, but you know, Crowder's the smaller guy who's you know, like I said, as good as you're going to go against. You know, he built like Tony. I'd say reminded me of Steve Smith. Played for the Carolina Panthers for a bunch of years. Polished routes, go, gets open deep, you know, tough. Um, I really like him as a player. Whereas Blakeney's 6'6", 225. So, you know, quite a compliment. And um, Eddie McCaffrey's kid, I know Eddie because we drafted him to the Giants back a long, long time ago. Um, but it's, it's interesting to see his kid. I'm going to have to look him up before the game and tell him some stories about his dad. Um, but um, he's, their slot, he's their slot receiver. And they got two running backs, Powell, Powell and Snead, who split time. They're both good players. You know, Reeves has taken over a tight end due to the injury. He's, you know, 6'5", 255 pounds, and looks like what you're supposed to look like. 
And then on the offensive line, first of all, Will coach, John Latina, their offensive line coach, associate head coach, worked for me for a few years um, when we were at Notre Dame. Uh, it doesn't surprise me that their offensive line plays well. He wouldn't want me to isolate any player, but if I had a call one out, I'd call Tomlinson out, their right guard, because he looks like he, he looks like a man on tape. You know, he's a big person, but he also he also plays pretty well. On defense, they have a very similar approach to a lot of the teams we play against in the Big 12. Very conservative by nature, predominantly a four-man front, 90% zone. You know, we might see a little bit more in a man-to-man after the last week's game. But, you know, um, a lot of cover four, a lot of press, you know, some three-deep zone. I mean, uh, bend but don't break. Uh, don't give up the big play. You know, that's, that's their mentality. You know, obviously... You know, they took a blow when they lost their linebacker, Brown, who was an All-American you know, type of player. But Helton, who's been there you know, just as long, seems like he's taken over that leadership responsibility. Not only did he have you know, triple digits and tackles last year, but he's kind of taken those young guys under his wing at the linebacker position. And he gets a little help out there at nickel because Cash has been there, for, been there for four years too. So between the two of them, they're, uh, I think that they can cover for the young guys that they're rolling through at the well position. Uh, defensive end, they get DeWald on Dijo and Johnson at the ends. And then inside, um, inside they're playing both Bruce and Ray. Um, and the DBs, I could uh, talk about all four of them individually. The one I'd like to stand out is because he's a pain in the butt as a, as a kickoff returner as well as Edwards. You know, he's a very physical boundary safety, loves to run and hit, you know, likes to get into the mix, and he's dynamic as a kickoff returner. You know, Singleton will be the field safety, you know, and then they'll use fields and, uh, and borders as, as the corners. Sometimes they play left and right. Sometimes they play field and boundary. It all depends on the tempo of the game. Um, they do have good specialists. Martin started off as their kickoff guy, but he, well, lately Willoughby's uh, done more of the kickoffs than him because Martin is their field goal kicker. By the way, he's 11 for 11 on extra points and 3 for 3 on field goals with a long of 49, so he just hasn't missed. Um, Monday is their, their punt snapper. He's also their holder. I mean, excuse me, Monday is their punter. Uh, he's also their holder. Um, he stands kind of closer to the line of scrimmage than a lot of these other punters. They have a little different formation than a lot of the other teams. They don't have that shield that everyone's talking about all the time. There's no one in front of him. He's standing at 12 yards, but he's taking one step and getting the ball off, getting the ball off in a hurry. Hennessy handles both the long snapping and the short snapping. I talked about Edwards over there as the kickoff returner, and guess which pain in the butt you think is the punt returner? Crowder, you know, so... You know, they put their best player back there on punt returns. And, you know, he's only got one opportunity a year because most people are trying to do all they can to have him not not have the ball in his hands. But the one time he did touch it, he went for 19 yards. So they have two dynamic returners. They're sound on defense. They're well coached across the board. You know, on offense, you know, they've they've been on a roll now for over, for over a year and doesn't look like they're going to slow down. And I'm free. With, with the combination of the Crowder and, and the 6'6 guy, I mean, does that change your approach? I mean, do you assign a guy to a guy, or, or do you play the same coverage wherever they line up, wherever they are? Well, first of all, they usually, usually know where they're going to line up. Okay. You know, because one guy usually lines up on one side and one guy usually lines up on the other side. 
I'd say, you know, when they're not lined up where they usually line up, usually something's up. Okay, so usually Crowder is going to usually is going to be on our right, and usually Blakeney is going to be on our left. You know, so now you can design everything you do based off of that premise. And when they put Crowder somewhere other than our right, there's something going on. You know, he's not there just for window dressing. You know, there's something going on. And usually you put McCaffrey in a slot and let's play. It's not a situation then where you know you'd put your best corner on one guy or the other or anything like that. Well, if he's playing on our right, on their right, and that means on our defensive left, I mean you can bet that I'm going to be I'm going to be in Dexter's ear all all week long. Now that doesn't mean they can't move him to the other side. I'm just saying, I mean I watched the Indianapolis Colts for a bunch of years, and Marvin Harrison lined up as the right outside receiver on almost every play. And if he wasn't there, something was up. I mean, so it was a very good analogy. You know, that's that's where he plays. You know, that doesn't mean they'll put him in a slot. If he puts him in a slot, count on him getting the ball somehow. You know, normally he's going to be outside receiver, and they're going to do all they can to get him the ball as many times as, as they possibly can. Is there a different style of coverage with, with I mean, you know, you, you've got a 6'6 six, six guy, and then you've got yeah, I mean they're different. They're they're different, but you know, the thing is, Blakeney is a really good receiver. But you know, uh, you know, we're Crowder. We're talking about one of the best receivers. So you have to respect both of them, and you can't forget about their slot receiver either. I mean, you, this is, it's 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 a problem. You know, this is oh, this is a legitimate good group of wide receivers. It's not like you say, well, let's just take Crowder out of the game and not worry about the other ones because you just can't do that. Hello. I think that when our players have already spent time looking at this matchup and they see this they see their players and our players and they they see how they play and how we play and I think that I think that our players have visual evidence on tape that they have a legitimate chance of winning. Now, if you tell me we're going to show up for a quarter and just just be out there for the next three quarters, then we got no chance. Okay, so that that can't happen. But um, there's visual evidence on tape based off of what they've seen last year and what they've seen these first two games, where they should expect to go down there with they should go down there, you know, with the anticipation of winning the game, not just hoping to win. That's what they should expect. After watching film from Saturday, what was the biggest difference that you saw from the first half and second? Um, I used a word the other day, but I really think it's it's the appropriate word. It might sound like a coach's phrase, but it's really the right answer. We just didn't finish. And finish doesn't have to just be finish a game. It could be finish plays. I mean, there's the finish as a as a kind of broad broad thing, but there are a lot of things that you know we're really close to a lot of plays. But guess what? Really close isn't good enough. You know, we're really, really close to some sacks. We're really close to another three or four touchdown passes. We're really close to a couple of, you know, easy big runs. We're really, really, really close, really close to, you know, having them, you know, having them in dire straits. But that's, that doesn't make a difference. It's what really happens, not what you're really close to. And we're going to have to play significantly better this week to win. Charlie, when you watch the film of Montel, we're in there and things that stood out, any key points of emphasis you wanted him to, to learn from that game? 
Well, first of all, I saw no signs of the jitters that I saw last year. And that was the first thing that I was looking for. Because let's face it, you know, after the West Virginia game, it didn't look too pretty the next couple of games. You know, so there's no evidence. I mean, the guy was playing with confidence. He handled the operation. Okay, no problem with the signals. No problem with calling plays at the line of scrimmage. Basically threw it to the right guy almost every time. You know, just now he missed on some. So there were a couple. There were a couple close, and there were some times where he could have put the pulled the ball down and gotten a couple of big chunks himself. You know, but he's he's doing what we're telling him to do. But you know, sometimes you got to let that athleticism just turn it free and just go ahead and go. You know, so I think as we're going forward, there will be more and more opportunities. But I think it was a really, I thought it was a really good start for him. That's what I thought it was. I think it was great. I thought it was a good start. You said uh, in the second half you guys took a lot of shots downfield. Obviously not a lot of success. Is that an area where he just needs to prove he can do it? Oh, he can. He doesn't need to. He can do it. I mean, we we practice every single day. I know what people can do and what they can't do. You know, he can do it. It's not a question on my mind whether he can do it or not. It's, you know, it's a combination of him doing it and then us and us putting him in a position to do it too. So it's a combination of the two of them. And we'll try to do better as coaches, and he'll try to do better as the quarterback and see, see if we can't get, you know, we were really stressing pass efficiency. Now, the fact that he threw three touchdowns and no interceptions, that's a great thing. And none were in our hands now. It wasn't like there were any close. I mean, so that you know that that's one stat that you know we're not talking about. The fact that you know he's three touchdowns, no interceptions. You know that that's big. You know so, but you know we're not we're not content with fifty percent completions. It's an improve over last year, but it's just not what we're shooting for. Charlie, you mentioned a couple of times this week uh, this is a strength versus strength game for you guys. Mm-hmm. Is that specifically their receivers against your secondary, or? I'd, I'd say that's. Uh, that's a, probably a pretty good place to start. I mean, I think the, on their team. Now, you, I can talk about just about every position, okay, but if you look at their team, you know, your, your team, the people that are the most dynamic on their team are their wide receivers. It also happens to be the position that we feel the best about on our defense. So, you know, something's going to have to give here. And, you know, I'm, I'm rooting for the good guys. Along with that, you mentioned uh, Ja'Cory and texting him. Do you expect him to see a bunch of action this week after what Dexter did? Well, he's going to get a bunch of action from me. That I, that I can promise you. And then, then when the game comes around, I think that, I think that all those DBs are going to get tested. I don't, I don't think they're going to shy away from Dexter either. I mean, that's not you know they have a lot of confidence in their passing game. You know, I think that you know, I think they'll all get tested. I, you know, I, I don't think you have to question whether or not. They're going to test you in the passing game because they're going to. You might have been somewhat kidding, but you said you might just show your team the first quarter. And yeah, I, I was a liar. <laughs> no. What we did do is we showed them a good play tape and a bad play tape. Okay, and what we did is we showed them the bad plays first. So we came in, you know, they're all feeling okay. We won everything. And then you just show bad play after bad play. You want to know why this game wasn't buried, fellas? You want to know why you didn't win by 50? Okay, here's why you didn't win by 50. 
and you just go and show them play after play that you know that they look at saying you know you know and then you know now now that you've just driven them to a new low after a win now now you flip the switch and say okay now here's all the good things we did in the game and you show them play after play after play you know trust trust me there's a whole psyche involved with Sundays you know people don't understand how important Sundays are Sundays are right, one of the most important psychological days of the week and by the time they left on Sunday I think that they all saw missed opportunities but they all saw positives too and saw that you know you know there's a chance for us to you know do some good things yeah, you said that was your message that they could sulk and feel sorry for themselves and listen to how they only beat SEMO by six or enjoy the win and, and go on were you pleased with their choice in that decision I don't know what they did Saturday night, Matt. I could care, you know, I didn't get any calls from the police. That's all I know. So, you know, but the most important thing was when he left on Sunday, I was, con I was content that we, that we were on to Duke. And, you know, and we need, we need to play a much more complete game to have a chance to win against a good team like Duke. How's the offensive line right now? Are you reaching now? I mean, no, just no, no. just one. Uh, you know. Uh, well, let's see. Rushed for what? What do we rush for in a game? Two fifty at yeah, least, right? Two fifty with two running backs that no one ever heard of before, right? So that's probably a good place to start. That's probably decent, right? So in the run game, they probably graded out pretty decent. Um, Past past game, they really didn't have a dynamic rusher, and so there's a little pressure, a little pressure occasionally. So I'd say that they probably didn't grade out as high in pass protection as they did in the run game. But you know, I'd say the run game they probably graded it out pretty well. Charlie, I think you asked this on Saturday, but well, why don't you ask me now then? Cat Connie was you know the first female Big Twelve referee to officiate. Mm -hmm. How would you assess her this year? I just walked up to her before the game and I said, uh, I said, I congratulated her and said, make everybody proud of you. That's all I said to her. And you said, you said before that you would. It doesn't make any difference. What, it doesn't make any difference what I said before. I just said to her before the game, congratulations, and I said, make 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 everyone proud of you. That's you what. This, you think this will open doors for more female referees? That, it's irrelevant to me. What, what do I? What difference does it make to me? I mean, the refs are the refs, and they're the bad guys anyway. I mean, you know, it doesn't make a difference who they are, you know. But I, I could care less. I mean, did you notice her in the game? Okay, then she obviously did okay, because when you notice a ref, okay, when I notice a ref, it's because it's something you disagree with. I didn't notice her, other than when I looked her up before the game to congratulate her and. Tell her to make all, all every, make everyone proud. Coach, how did the defensive line grade out? Well, I think that they're a little disappointed that we didn't, you know, bring the quarterback to the ground, you know, uh, as far as sacks go. You know, I think that, that that was that was one area, one area, you know, that, you know, our bucks were in position, you know, a bunch of times. And it just it just didn't happen. I think that we have to make sure that we can get pressure with four guys. And because if we can't, that was the point of emphasis actually on Sunday's practice.
you know, Sunday we actually practiced. You know, and um, a point of emphasis is we can't just blitz every time we want to get pressure. We, you know, we have to disrupt the passer. You don't have to necessarily just get sacks. We have to get pressure. So we were a little disappointed on that end. Other than that, they're they're pretty sound. Uh, they're pretty sound in, in, in what they were in what they were doing. Remember, until the fourth quarter, it's three and out city. You know, just three and out, 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 three and out. You know, the one score they have was after the block field goal and a 15-yard penalty, where they get the ball down on the 20-yard line. That's the, that's the one score they had. So until the fourth quarter, I mean, they, the defense had played a pretty dominant performance. Probably expanded from that. You know, he'd probably get more action than that. And it's not just going to come in the game just to run the ball. He's not just like a wildcat quarterback because he can throw it. I think that, you know, Michael can be utilized as a weapon because if every time he comes in, they all of a sudden go play the run. Now you really got something here. You know, the intent was to use him more, but the game didn't play out like that. You know, so, you know, we'd like to, he was involved, he's involved in the game plan, but. There are a lot of things in the game plan that we never really got to, you know, to in depth. You know, I think that those things will be exposed more and more as we go forward. But it will be on a weekly basis. It won't be like every week we say, okay, how are we going to play Michael? You know, Montel's the quarterback. Or Michael's the backup. So we just have to wait and see how it goes. You mentioned on Saturday sometimes success can from a shock. Is that something you have to adjust with the team at all? Say, say that again? You mentioned on Saturday that sometimes success can bring from a shock with it. Is that something you have to address going forward, or is that just the next No, year? it's just the first time it's happened here in three years. So, I mean, it was new to him. I mean, it really, it was really new to him. Like, like well, what do we do now? Now, what, what do good teams do when that happens? They keep on laying the wood to them. That's what they end up doing. Okay, so that's the, the teaching point was, okay, you got to this point, just go bury them. They, you know, that was, the, that was the point. You know, like, don't, you know, I mean, they're kind of like, oh, okay, we're up 24 nothing. what happens now? I mean, you know, they've been down 24 nothing, but up 24 nothing, that is not something that they've experienced. So, you know, it was, it, was, it, it was very easy to teach off of that because it was on tape, very transparent, very easy to, very easy to see. You ever to talk about cornerbacks, you know, from play to play, having to have short memory and all that. Did the fourth quarter do anything to the psyche of your secondary? I mean, no, no, no. As a matter of fact, we'll have a lot of fun with them here in the next couple of days. Yeah. You know, so you know, if nothing else, you take a position that you have a lot of confidence in. It gives you a chance to get on them pretty good. Yeah. You know, which I've been doing for the last few days. Yeah. I'm not waiting till for today for that to happen, in case you're wondering. You know, but you know, look at, you know, that's not the best passing team we're gonna go against, and that number, that number one had a, you know, had a big day. Okay, he did. You know, now going in four was there a guy who made the most plays, but number one had the big day. You know, so going forward now, you know, what are you gonna stop number three and forget about 17 and 87? And while you're at it, you better, you better keep an eye on this, this tight end or these backs that occasionally they run down right down the chute. You know, so, I mean, there's things that you can't fall, can't fall asleep on. Just like the quarterback, 
in the first game against Elon, you know, he, he hardly runs the ball at all. So everyone watches it and says, okay, this guy isn't going to run. And then he goes he goes against Troy, and they're down 14-3. And then the next two scores are him running the ball. And one for 30 yards, another one for another six yards. So, I mean, you, know, you can't just take anything for granted. Sure, this is probably going back a little bit to when you first got the job. At Kansas and Duke, obviously, you know, a minority of schools that basketball is the biggest thing on campus. Do you think there's a stigma um, for, among football coaches about taking a job where, where basketball is undoubtedly number one? I don't know. I don't know what David thinks. I mean, he's got Coach K, and I got I got Bill Self. I mean, does it get any better than that? I mean, I mean, you're talking about arguably the two best, two two of the best coaches in in America. You know, from so from my standpoint, I I hope basketball wins every game every year, regardless of how we do. And I would just like to utilize. I appreciate the support I get from Coach Self and their basketball team, but most importantly. I could utilize their success to help, you know, use that as, you know, something to shoot for and definitely use as a recruiting tool. You know, you can do one of two things. You could feel like a second-class citizen or you can play into it. And I totally, I totally play into it, totally. I don't look at it that at all. I'm more than content with, that, with our basketball team competing for a national championship every year. I just want to get our team to where we're, we're, we're winning more than we're losing on an annual basis. That's what I want to do. I want to be winning more than we're losing on an annual basis. That's, and when we get to that point, you can, you can ship me out of here. But I don't want to do it once. I want to make sure we got that set. Once we get that set, you can pack me up and send me out if that's what you want to do. Duke and Kansas, I mean, there's probably a different set of circumstances, different geography, but if you look I know that years three and four, he won three games. Did you know that? I mean, so it was he lighting the world on fire at that time? I mean, what he did was he put in a plan, you know, recruited, 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 you know, got guys he can get into Duke, you know, which is not the easiest thing to do. Okay, stuck to the plan, had support from the administration. Okay, didn't waver, you know, when people were saying, well, where's this heading? And all of a sudden, year six, they go win ten. You know, and you know that's the way it happens a lot of times when you walk into a program, okay, that just hasn't done too well recently. You know, I have a lot of respect for what they, the job they've done, and you know, hopefully we, we could not only emulate that, but you know, hopefully we could speed up that timetable just a tad. You, 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 uh, you mentioned recently that you hired him. At Notre Dame, and, mm -hmm. and obviously known very well. Over those years, I mean, he's obviously known for working with Peyton and all that stuff. But, but over those years, are there things that he does offensively that, that just remain constant, or does he kind of change with his personnel and whatever he has to do? I don't follow him. Yeah, not one bit. Are you seeing what when you watch this team? Are, are you seeing stuff that rings familiar? From, well, from I mean, back it's. To the time? That wasn't the offense he was running. Okay. When it was a different, it's a different offense. Okay. So I mean, just like everyone else, he's running a version, running a version of the spread. Yeah. You know, that's what's in vogue now. But, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't the same offense. 
might be the same terminology, but it's not the you know not the same, not the same deal. You know, you remember now five ten years ago there was a lot more power football, especially in the SEC where you know he spent the majority of his time, you know both at Tennessee and at Ole Miss. You know that's it was power football. You know that's what the game was. You know Deuce McAllister. You know that's, you know that's those those days right there. You know Deuce, right? Okay, good. Players should just shut up. That's what the players should do. Now, they should be happy they won the game, and they don't need to comment on focus. They don't need to comment on the crowd. They should comment on their play. That's what they should comment on, because I've never, I've never big on people making excuses. You can, you can reiterate that to them when you talk to them too. We want him to throw the ball whenever he can throw the ball. You know, that, that, that's what we're trying to do. You're, you know, you're trying, as a quarterback, when you buy time, you buy time to you still keep your eyes down the field looking to throw the ball. He's just such a dynamic runner when, when he does run with it. You know, you see some opportunities to say, God, if you just pull this down and go. You don't encourage him to do that. You know, you encourage him to throw the ball. That's what you encourage him to do. You know, but uh, I think as time goes on, there's going to be more times where you'll see him with the ball in his hands. Now that you're not the coordinator, do you still meet with him Sunday night? No. Um, the, the, I leave that to Ron and John. You talked about that head coach-only role being nice and something you're looking forward to. Do you miss the Sunday night meetings? Or are you okay with not having that? Too? Nope. Don't. <laughs> I went to 9 o'clock mass, you know. I had something bigger. I had something bigger to to attend to. Try try not to end up in hell. <laughs> and that is definitely bigger. Well, you've asked enough anyway. See if anyone else has any. You're just running off of Tom's list, but that's right. Tom's not here, so you can't ask him. So. Well, I mean, I got to see the whole game. That's the one thing, when you're a play caller, you don't get to see the whole game, contrary to what everyone thinks. I mean, because there's things that you have to do to straighten out your side of the ball. You know, it isn't, you know, even, even if you're looking at the field, okay, you're at the time, you're talking to assistant coaches, you're saying, okay, what was the front there? What was that pressure? What did they do on third and one? and 10, what was that? First and down, okay, when, when are they bringing the pressure? What, you know, what field position? Okay, tell, tell me, go through that drive play by play. Start over again. I mean, you're, these are the conversations you're having. You might be looking at the field, but you're certainly not paying attention. You know, in this game right here, I could totally pay attention to the entire game. So there's nothing, there's nothing you miss. I'll give you a perfect example, okay? Late in the game, we called a timeout with a minute and 40 seconds to go in the game. 
okay, they had the ball in plus territory, and, you know, Clint needed a timeout. He goes, Coach, I need a timeout. I said, relax. And he goes, why? I said, because the clock's running. So I'm went, you know, I said, I'm going to get you your timeout. So I let the clock run. They're looking to the sideline to get their play call. He wants, he's all, you know, he needs a timeout to get everyone straight. And the next thing, 23 seconds later, I call a timeout. Now, if I were involved with getting ready for the next drive right there, you know, I wouldn't have to, I said, relax, we got it. You know, and they would add 20 more, three, 23 more seconds left to go in the game. And the way that game is going, 23 seconds could have, could have, been, could have been important. It might not sound significant right now, but it was, it was significant right then. Any others? Not necessarily. Coach, how good of a barometer is due for the second game of the season to kind of find out where your team is right now? I think that this would be a big win for our program. That's what I think it would be a big win. First of all, as it was so so nicely worded before, we haven't won on the road in an eternity. So to go ahead and get that out of the way, the second game of the year, you know, to get that to get that one to get that one behind you, not only would it bring you back here two and zero with two home games coming up, okay, not only would it do that, but on top of everything else, that one that's one more thing that's put behind you that you're not worrying about anymore. So I think that, you know, look at the season doesn't end with a win or a loss, but this would be a big win for our program. I'm biased, so I wouldn't have that one because I would disagree with him. You know, so I have a lot of respect for Coach Cutcliffe, especially with dealing with quarterbacks. You know, but uh, his were named, his quarterbacks were named Manning, and mine were were named Brady. One first name, one last name. Okay, you know, so. Uh, you know, uh, we, it's a different style of offense. You know, it's not, you know, that, that they were running versus what we're running. But, you know, all those guys had, had a lot of success. A lot of that has to do with their good. You know, that's why they had a lot of success. I'd like to sit there and take more credit, but there'd be a, there, there's a whole bus station full of people trying to take credit. Anything else the players said before we'll close? We'll close on you. Anything else they said that I that I would like to know at this point? Okay, great. I will be addressing it again here shortly. <laughs> All right, take care. Yeah.